The title of the message tonight is Bringing Gospel Light into Darkness. I don't know if you've noticed this in our world, but it's a really, really dark place. Uh, there's much of it that's always been dark, but with the stuff in the Ukraine and the Russians, I mean, just the darkness we see going on in that part of our world breaks our hearts and just how men can be so deceived and so uh, tainted by the lies of the enemy. And so we live in the midst of a world that we are reminded of clearly in this text and through the events in our world today of the darkness uh, in which we live. Before we get too much further down the road, I want to just do another brief review. I'm going to do it a little different. Jason did a great one last week, but I want to point out some of the things that transpired in these sections of Acts to date. So, for example, uh, the first seven chapters in the book of Acts, we really see God working through the apostles to reach Jerusalem. Uh, Then in Acts 8, uh, 2.13, we see God using uh, the persecution that came upon Jerusalem and the believers there to disperse the gospel across Judea, Samaria, and even to reaching some Gentiles during that time. And tonight we're going to take a step into a completely different working of God where He calls out from the church men to go and begin the mission of reaching Gentiles in this world to its far ends. So that's kind of where we're headed. The uh, thing we want to pay attention to is the different ways that God worked in these times. So in Jerusalem, He poured His Spirit out on the apostles and 120 others, and the streets, I assume, in Jerusalem, certainly the temple courts and homes. The gospel was being pronounced and proclaimed, and people were coming to faith in large numbers. And then persecution came, and we're down to a few guys. Uh, We look at uh, what resulted from Stephen's martyrdom, and we see Philip go out, we see uh, Peter go out, and we see the working of God through their lives to reach Judea now, not Jerusalem, but Jews that had scattered to Judea and then into Samaria and also to the Greek world. And then, as I said already tonight in chapter 13, we're going to see God begin to work through His church And bottom line, guess what? He's still working through His church today. So there's lessons for us tonight in this passage about how God has worked and how He is continuing to work. So with that, I just want us to jump into the text and look and see how the light of the gospel brings the truth and light of God into the hearts and lives of men in this dark world in which we live. In verse 25, we read these words from chapter 12, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, where they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manias, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So what's unfolding here, we saw the beginning of back in uh, February 27th when Jason preached uh, out of chapter 11 where 
a prophet came and told of the famines in Judea. And so the church took an offering and they sent that with Paul and Barnabas. And now they're back in Antioch. You remember, Barnabas came to Antioch because many people were coming to faith and the uh, apostles in Jerusalem sent him to Antioch. So that's how he got here. And then we learn that he went out and he got Paul and brought him to Antioch to help him lead the church. So that's kind of where we're at. They're there, they bring back John Mark with them, and now we find out that they're numbered among some of the leaders in that church, and it lists five, some prophets, some teachers. It doesn't tell us which are which. We could guess and speculate, but that's all it would be is speculation. So these five guys are there. And so this is kind of the setting as it unfolds. And uh, what I want us to think about tonight and what I want us to see, and we should see this in every chapter of Acts, is the incredible, almighty, empowered work of God through people to accomplish His mission in the world. And we see that in just really powerful ways tonight. We've seen it in every text that we've addressed through uh, the book of Acts so far. And here we see this huge step that God is going to take through a church and people in that church and having them send them out. So just understand the gospel is being spread. The message of the hope of life in Christ is going out. That is God's plan. It's His purpose. It's His intent. And it's going out to impact now the Gentile world. And as Jason reminded us last week, that worked pretty well because I think as best I know, all of us in this room are Gentiles. And somehow or another, that gospel has come all the way from there to here and also around the world. So praise God for that. That's what God has been doing. And we're the beneficiaries and the recipients of that amazing work over many, many, many centuries. So that's where we're at. And understand that something dynamic happened in the church. This was more now of a mission base. So much everything else to this point has been scattered. But now the church is kind of the center. And we'll see over the course of Paul's ministry that he goes out and he comes back. And he goes out and he comes back. Most of you that have been in the church have seen that. Missionaries are sent out, and then they come back and report, and then they go out again. And, and so it's more of the standard and pattern that we see in the world today. So let's take a look at the text. These leaders and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. I, I had to look up where Cyrene was. This dude came a really long way Cyrene is clear over west of Alexander on the north coast of Africa. I mean, he came, it's almost halfway across North Africa. So this dude came a long way. Remember Simon who helped carry Jesus' cross? He came from there as well. So there must have been a Jewish settlement there and believers there. And so best we know, he, he was one of those. Uh, we, we don't know but probably came and, and was involved in the planning of this church and helping with it. The fourth individual was Manaean, and he was a, a Jew, probably a Jew. His name is Jewish, means comforter, and he was a lifelong friend of Herod, uh, and we don't know much more about him than that. And then lastly, Paul. So this is the group that we're leading there. Uh, we assume that uh, Barnabas and Paul were leaders, and maybe these other men were there, and they were raised up, discipled, uh, you know, leadership mantle was put on them. 
Perhaps they led why Paul and Barnabas were on their way to Judea with this gift offering. We don't, we don't know. We're just speculating. But they were there. They were involved in leadership. The important thing I want you to see here is that what God began to do here, uh, first in Jerusalem, then in Antioch, through His Spirit, and, and I want us to understand this is all the work of the Holy Spirit. What happened in Jerusalem? The Spirit came down. He, like uh, flames of fire settled on the believers there, and they went out and became witnesses to Jesus and to the gospel, and many came to faith. And then persecution came, and what, what do we see? Both Philip and Peter, empowered by the Spirit, used by the Spirit, healings came, the gospel was preached, and many people came to faith. And now we see the Spirit, and we'll get to it in a moment, doing the very same thing here. But understand, this is a fulfillment of what Acts 1.8 says to us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, let's say it together, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And tonight we're going to see the beginning of the mission to the ends of the earth. Paul will go out to Asia Minor, to Greece, and then to Rome, and, and now we know to the entire world. So that's what's before us in this text. So, exciting. So let's look at how the Spirit worked in this. Verse 2, again I read it. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the church was doing its thing worshiping and fasting, and when they were fasting, they were praying for direction from God. It says what? The Holy Spirit said, we assume He spoke through a prophet, don't know, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And I want you to understand that the Spirit is speaking on behalf of the Father here. Set apart for me. This is a command. Call them out. They are the people I want to go. Paul and Barnabas. It was his command. It was his call on their life. God, through the Spirit, called these men into their ministry and their mission. And this is incredibly important. We have to understand as they are called, are we called? You have to settle that in your own heart and life. Are we called to go in Greeley, Colorado? in the places around where we live. He called them, are we called? God's plan was to enlarge the borders of His kingdom through their ministry, and as they went out, we will see that happen. They moved this church in the power of the Spirit, and as did Barnabas and Paul, they walked out in obedience. We'll see that in a moment. Verse 3 says, Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, notice again, the Spirit's involved, He's leading, He's empowering, He's working, He's guiding, He's giving assurance, He's giving uh, uh, wisdom on how to do all these things. So being sent out by the Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. I love this church. This church did what again? They prayed. And they fasted, seeking the leading of God. You see some little chairs in circles tonight. Guess what we're going to do as a church? I'm assuming you haven't had anything since lunch, so we're going to call that a little fast. But we're going to pray tonight for our mission and our, our impact on this city. We're going to take a few minutes at the end of the message to do that, just as they did there. 
And after they had done that, they laid their hands on Barnabas and Paul. You remember when uh, the Morgans were here? We brought them up in front of this body. We laid our hands on them and sent them to Mexico for their training that they may go to the ends of the world. And just as they go to the ends of the world, we'll call, we're called to go to the ends of what? Greeley, Colorado. Same process, same calling. So we see them going, and I, I don't know all the implications of this church sending them out. I, I, I presume, just from my experience around the church, that they felt a kinship to pray for these brothers. They fasted for them, perhaps. They might have supported them in some ways. We don't know all the ways they came along to encourage Barnabas and Paul, but we know there was a deep connection there. They had been very instrumental in the growth of this church, as Jason reminded us uh, back in, in February on the 27th, that that church flourished. It grew. Many came to faith through their ministry. So that church became sort of their supporting church, like churches do today. And they went out, and they were blessed, and, and they accomplished those things for which God was calling them. So the church participated in sending and empowering them in this work as God led and guided and commanded them. The congregation maybe felt really much with them as, as like one, one in spirit, one in uh, part of their family, and, and to support them, as I've mentioned, all understanding that God had called, it was God's will for these men to go. So they stood with them. They literally, in the spirit, went with them. Understand that, that and I want to make a distinction here from just obedience and obedience in faith. You know, somebody can tell you to go do something, and you can go do it. You might do it well. You might do it poorly. You might choose not to do it at all. We, we even see examples of that in the, 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 the Scripture where the, the vineyard owner told his son to go, and his son didn't go, and the one that he told to go said he wouldn't go, then he went. I mean, I mean people do that. But what we see here in this passage and the unfolding of this text is the working and empowering of God in the lives of Barnabas and Paul. They were called. They knew that. They went with the confirmation that God had set them apart for this work. They went empowered by His Spirit. The Spirit sent them out, uh, empowered them to go out. He gave them direction, we're sure. Uh, we don't know why they ended up going to Cyprus. We're not told that. We assume the Spirit led them there. But He was working always in them and through them, and I want you to see that. God's will to go, their obedience to go, their absolute dependence on God in this journey. They had no idea what laid ahead. And we know through Paul's journey, if we studied, and we will see a lot of it if we go through the book of Acts, he faced a lot of persecution. He faced a lot of opposition, yet by the power of the Spirit, he continued to press on. God enabled, God supported him. So faith, really, faith looks to God for the empowerment, for the guidance, for the gifting, for the wisdom, for the strength, for the perseverance, for the boldness to go. I could go out and try to do stuff, and on my own, I guarantee you, nothing would happen. And if Paul and Barnabas, I, I believe this with all my heart, if they'd have gone out without this understanding of, of obedience and faith to the Father and His call and His empowering and His, his gospel message, they would have, what, probably done nothing. So understand there's a difference between obedience and living in obedience under the faith and power of the gospel and of our God. So bear that in mind. God called them to go. He empowered them to go, and he sent them out. 
These are just incredible truths in this passage that, 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 that I think are what enable us to endure when hardships come, persevere when we face opposition or persecution. These are the things that God brings to the table to encourage us and strengthen us and help us in this work for Him. Well, let's move on and see how they begin to, uh, see how their ministry begins to unfold. I'm in verse 5. When they arrived at Salamis, oh, let, let me back up. You know, but before, before anything would happen, after all this prayer and fasting and this encouragement and empowerment by God, they really did have to pack their bags, walk five miles down to, to uh, uh, the, the boat dock, get on the boat, and go to Cyprus. So that's walking in faith. They actually had to go do it. Now we see them arriving at Salamis. They proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was, with a proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So they get there. And they go out in obedience. They have a missionary strategy to go into the synagogues, and there was a specific reason for that. If you trace Paul's ministry throughout the book of Acts, everywhere he goes, he goes to the Jews first. And the reason he does that is because the Jews attracted God-fearers and people that were open to the gospel. And many, many times as he went there, those were the people most open to the gospel. They would believe. They would trust in Jesus while the Jews would try to kill Paul. So understand there was a dynamic strategy at work and he used it here. It says in the text that he preached the gospel in all of the synagogues in Salamis. Uh, I don't know how many there were, but there was more than one because it's plural. Uh, and then it says that they went on throughout the whole island and who knows how many towns there were and how many other synagogues there were, but they went across the entirety of the island of Cyprus in obedience, in faith, believing, trusting, empowered by God to do the things he'd called them to. And then they come to this place called Paphos. It was a, a fairly large town. It was uh, the center of the government. Sergius Paulus was like a governor in, in our time and history in the world. He ruled under the leadership of Rome. Rome took over Cyprus in about 57 BC, and they took it over because it was economically strategic to them and their plans uh, to dominate the world, uh, like we see going on now. Uh, what they did, uh, they had copper mines there. They did shipbuilding there. Those were all instrumental things for military endeavors, and so Cyprus was very important. The interesting thing here is that this, uh, this uh, Sergius Paulus has this, uh, this Jewish false prophet hanging out with him named Bar-Jesus. And what's interesting about this is why in the world would intel it says he's an intelligent man, why would he have a guy like this hanging out with him? Well, it's not all that unlikely. Uh, do you remember the book of Daniel? Do you remember the first dream that Daniel had to interpret that Nebuchadnezzar had? And Do you remember what Nebuchadnezzar did the very first thing after he had this dream? He called what? Magicians, sorcerers, prophets, and had them come to advise him. So this was common in that day. 
And it's just as common back then, uh, I mean, it was as common back then in Babylonia as it was here in Cyprus. And this man, uh, we learn from the text later on, was not, uh, he had control and influence over the governor. And he wanted to maintain that for whatever reason. I don't know if it was political, I don't know if it was financial, I don't know what was behind it all, but he had influence and he did not want to lose that. So he becomes the opposition that they face, that is Paul and uh, Barnabas as they uh, interact with Sergius Paulus. It's interesting that Sergius Paulus wants to hear the Word of God from them. I, 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 I don't know if he had a genuine interest in the gospel or he was just aware that they were on his island and he wanted to check them out and see what message they were preaching or proclaiming. So we don't really know. It seems like there was genuine interest on his heart or on, on his part. We just have to kind of wait and see because he will come to faith as we will see. So anyway, this missionary strategy is, is unfolding before us. They're there. They're with him. They've been called there. They're ready to share the gospel with this, this Roman governor. And then this uh, Bar-Jesus, or uh, he's also called Elimus, uh, meaning... Uh, a magician or wicked, uh, a wizard uh, is what it means. This guy is there interfering with their uh, work and trying to be a barrier to their access to the governor and their ability to share the gospel. So what I want us to see here is a, an amazing conflict between the force and power of the light of God and his gospel and the darkness of this world. The darkness that surrounds uh, many and, 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 and literally envelopes many people in our time and, 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 and even in the city in which we live. This man, this uh, Jewish false prophet, was a man who lived in total darkness and he propagated total darkness. We'll see that as we read on in the text here. But understand that, that Paul and Barnabas are there how? They're there with the authority of the living God. Jesus said what? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. They went knowing they've been called by the Holy Spirit. I want you to see God's hand in their lives and hearts that emboldened them and, and impelled them forward with strength and conviction of the truth and the light and the power of the gospel. And that's what we see here. They went with his authority and they went with the empowerment and understanding they were called of God. So with that, let's uh, read in verse 8. But he, Elamus, the magician, for, what, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the Holy Spirit again. Now listen to what the Holy Spirit does through Paul. This is amazing. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? Immediate, or excuse me. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time Immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul, praise God, believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. 
What we see here are just significant things when we consider the power of the gospel and the light of the truth of God. Jesus said what? I am the light of what? The world. That was a powerful statement. If there's anything in our world that's needed today, it's the light of Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. He said this uh, early on in his ministry. It's recorded in the third chapter of John's Gospel, verse 29. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest their works should be exposed. But those doing right come gladly to the light and let everyone see that they are doing what God wants them to do. The context of this passage, I think, demands that we see those who do right is it's those who are coming into faith with Jesus, in, in Jesus and their light literally, their life is literally being lit up by the truth of God and the, and the truths of the gospel. But in contrast to them, we see this bar Jesus, this individual, this emissary uh, of Satan. The text uh, just shows us the confrontation between light and darkness between truth and between sorcery and deceit. This man, this wizard, this, uh, this child of, of the devil is confronted by Paul. And three things are brought out. The first thing Paul says to him is, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. The first thing that Paul identified here was the source of this man's uh, message of, of what he lived for, what he sought to accomplish. He is a child of Satan. His plan and purpose in, light, in life was to spread the darkness of Satan's reign and rule. We see that in our world all the time. Jesus saw that in his ministry. In John 8, 42 through 44, when confronted by the Pharisees who rebuked him and refused to believe in him, he said, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and am here. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. What Paul and Barnabas are saying to this bar Jesus is exactly what Jesus said to the Pharisees. You are children of the devil. You are a son of Satan. Next, Paul exposes the impact of his sorcery and his darkness. He said to Elamus, you are full, listen, full of all deceit. That is a big word. You are full of all deceit. Literally, there was in this man no light, no truth. He was totally, totally overwhelmed by the darkness of the kingdom of Satan. All deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? This man came to deceive and, and to lead people astray and to bind people up in the bondage of darkness. Lastly, Paul exposes him and the ultimate result of his darkness he said, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is against you. What, 
What Paul is simply saying is if you're for Satan, you're against God. If you're for Satan, you're against God. There, there is no middle ground. If we just uh, had our house painted with a, a paint called agreeable gray. And let me tell you about agreeable gray. If there's anything that this world wants you to believe, they want you to believe in agreeable gray, not the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This man spread darkness. This man served Satan. I love what God did to him. You want to propagate darkness? Then you're going to live in darkness. And he struck the man blind. He had to be led by the hand. He couldn't see anything. You want to preach darkness? Then here's what you get for preaching darkness. You get darkness yourself. Powerful. I want us to understand nothing has changed from this moment in, in biblical history to today. There's still only light and darkness and people that want to sell agreeable gray, but, but don't buy it. Paint's okay, but, but don't buy the confusion that so pervades this, world, this culture and this, this world. It's amazing that this judgment came on him uh, justly. Praise God that Sergius Paulus believed and came to faith. So, what do we do with this? I, I want to encourage us on about three levels. Number one, I, I want us to understand that we are the Pauls and Barnabases of this generation. We're not going to be called out in the same way or have the same notoriety, perhaps, but we're, we're the ones called to go. We're called to go into this culture and to reach people who are lost and hopeless and living in darkness. I, I was trying to think of a way to illustrate this to you, but maybe just a word picture work. When you, when you walk up to meet someone you haven't, seen before or met before, maybe ask yourself the question, I wonder if their mind is engulfed in light or it's engulfed in darkness. Where are they at? And how can I discover that? As we engage them in dialogue, we can do that. We met a 98-year-old man on our walk this morning, a neighbor one house away. If there's somebody that urgently needs the gospel, it's this guy. He is 98 years old. And we got into the gospel a little bit with him, and he didn't seem like he was open or knew anything at all about belief. His wife had been involved in a church, and it seemed like he mostly was turned off by that. So anyway, just pray for me that I'd go over and hang out with him on his back porch and see what I can learn about where he's at. He doesn't, I'm, I'm guessing he doesn't have a lot of time. He's 98. So, uh, and he's out cleaning up his yard, go figure. But there are people like that. He could be living in darkness. We're called to go do that. We live in a dark world, just like Paul and Barnabas entered into around uh, that city with Sergio Paulus. Let us go. Uh, our, our hope and our prayer as a church is that each one of us will reach somebody this next year. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, every one of us reach out and see somebody embrace faith and come to Christ. So understand, uh, God's called us not in the same specific way, but he called us through the Great Commission to go. 
Understand as well, we have the empowerment of His Spirit. If there's anything you get out of the message tonight, I want you to see God working in and through the lives of Paul and Barnabas. He's doing it. They're just going. He, they didn't call themselves. They didn't have the right words to say this man. The Spirit gave them to Paul. And, and so understand the Spirit emboldens us, emboldens us. He guides us. He leads us. He empowers us. He leads us to people who need Jesus. So I'm, I'm glad we're in this study on the Holy Spirit. Are we surrendered to His leading and guiding in this journey of life? Praying earnestly, God, lead us to people who do not know you, people who live in uh, darkness but are open to living in the light of Christ. So remember that we go with his authority and we go with the enabling power of God. We do not do this ourselves. Lastly, God's going to bring fruit. He may not bring fruit through every relationship, but he's going to bring fruit. We've already seen that. We're going to see some more, and I'm going to share some of that with you. I was thinking, what has God done at Redemption Church in Greeley in 11 months? Well, I'm going to tell you what he's done. We are approximately 20 families. And to the best that I know, and there's a lot going on here I don't know, but this is what I know. I know of eight individuals or couples that are actively reaching out to people who do not know Jesus. I can tell you with authority that one person has already professed faith in Jesus Christ and is being discipled right now. Not right at this moment, but is entered into the process of discipleship. And the best I know, those eight individuals or couples are reaching out to 16 to 18 different people who do not know to the best of their ability to discern if those people believe the gospel. I think that is phenomenal. You agree? In 11 months, God's done that. What will God do going forward? So to end tonight, I, I've set little circles up. There's four of them. And we're going to have some prayers uh, up on the screen. Pray that God would use you personally, use you to bring the light of the gospel to those living in darkness in your sphere of influence. Pray you would grow in living more by the leading and powering of the Spirit of God. Pray you would grow in boldness, knowing that the harvest is plentiful. Uh, I don't know where you're all at. But I know God wants to work in and through you to reach people in your sphere of influence, in your neighborhood, where you hang out and do recreation. Maybe you go to the gym. Maybe you work. I don't know. Maybe you go to the library. Somewhere you rub elbows with people who don't know Jesus. Find them. Bear witness to them by the emboldening power of the Spirit of God. So break up in, in these four little places and pray these things. We've got about... It's 5.30, so we got 15 minutes to do that and to finish our worship time. So we'll give you about five to seven minutes to pray these things together. And uh, we, we just want to see uh, what happened in Antioch, happened here in Greeley, that God would send us out, that we would see fruit like Paul and Barnabas saw.